It's 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 nice to be back, and you're you're I assume back to work this week. Oh boy, am I just? How's yep. that feeling? Oh look, let me tell you, um, it's not as good as not working. <laughs> <laughs> how good, honestly? How mm. good would it be to be one of those people that has worked out how to have an income so that you don't have to do anything? I think it's called being born rich, Stephen. <laughs> Well, no, there are people that work themselves into those positions as well, but absolutely mm. being born rich helps. It helps. Or, that or marrying, you know, a prince. <laughs> well, I think we're fast running out of those. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to wait for um, William and Kate's boy to grow up. Yeah, no, look. look and be uh, gay. Yeah, I've, I think uh, just. I think the age gap would be too hard, mate. Too hard. Could you imagine, actually, just to... Like, what happens when the monarchy... I don't want to make it sound like it... But, like, has to deal with that. Has to address the issues of what that looks like for them. I think it looks like getting married and divorced, Stephen. <laughs> just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> or getting married and having a mistress. <laughs> mm, yeah, uh, look... Uh, just statistically speaking, Stephen, I think it's it's already been dealt with <laughs> within the British royal family at the very least. We it's are just not something that they talk about. <laughs> we are burning valuable time, Dave. I want to know everything. Ooh. I want to see the photos. I want to experience Cambodia that uh, you and the crew experienced. Well, uh, the first thing that you can do, mate. To, to really get the sense of being there. How can I, how can I warm into it? Go, uh, go get your green waste bin from outside the house. Yeah, yeah. Pull it up next to the table. Yep. And just flip the lid open. <laughs> and that's a good start. So it's a bit stinky. <laughs> oh, it, it is just a bit. It, it, it is, uh, especially when, uh, <laughs> like myself and Rachel, decide that one of the things that the kids should see are the, are the local markets. And, yes. Uh, the, the wet markets, in, in yep. particular, where you can see delights like an entire head of a pig sitting there on a nearby bench. Nice. Which, which, let me tell you, was a little surprising and confronting for the children. It wasn't their favourite part of the trip. I can't see how or why, Dave. I mean, they're fully grown human beings. They understand where the bacon that they so enjoy comes from. Sure. But the bacon doesn't usually stare back at you with, with these very unhappy <laughs> eyes. Why did you eat me? <laughs> or, yeah, there was yeah, other cool stuff like uh, yeah, the, the crabs and, uh, and eels that were trying to get out of the, the, the uh, tubs that they were in. Great. Um, yep. there, was a, there was a snake in a bag that was sort of moving around fairly randomly. Oh, good snake in bag stuff, yes. Oh, yeah, it was good. excellent. Uh, but, you know, look... We, we, I didn't go the whole way. Like we, we didn't eat uh, any tarantulas, although on one of the days we were going around, someone did ask us if we wanted to eat some rat, mm. uh, and we politely declined. Yes, the correct we, we answer very, is We were very no. full by then. Very full. Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Where to start, Stephen? I don't know. It's So this was my, my second trip to Cambodia. Mm. Yes. So 
That first time with all of them. Oh, absolutely, the first time with the family, and it was it was the the first overseas trip for all of the rest of the family. So <laughs> we didn't sort of um, do it the easy way first. We sort of dived right in. Yep. Uh, so, but yeah, so going back for me, it wasn't sort of really the, the culture shock moment of my first trip there. So I sort of got to sit on the sidelines and just watch everyone else experience that, which was actually quite fun. Yep. Um, but ah. Uh, it, it's. I love Cambodia. I, uh, I I really I really love Phnom Penh, like yes. the, the the capital city, which it is. It is messy and it is chaotic, uh, and it's a bit stinky and gross. Uh, but in any single block of Phnom Penh, there is there is more happening and there is more life than in most towns anywhere in Australia. And that's the attraction. Oh, it is for me. Like it, it's it's incredible, Steve. It just like it, it's vibrant, um, and yeah, I don't know. Something about the chaos really appeals to me. Like <laughs> the, the first thing we did after we got off the plane, uh, and w- was to to grab a, a tuk tuk from the airport, which is out on the edge of the city, into um, the heart of the royal palace precinct, which is where our hotel was. Yes, uh, and. Uh, People who've been to Thailand uh, who've seen the tuk-tuks over there, which were the, are these like little three-wheeled dudes. Um, the ones in Cambodia are nothing like that. They're basically like a little carriage that they hook onto the back of a 125cc scooter, <laughs> and then wow. they pull then they pull it around. So you can imagine. I mean, you know, you're a, a motorcyclist. You, you know what it's like. Uh, you know, in terms of how much uh, you can sort of do with a particular capacity engine. So just imagine a 125cc scooter, which has, you know, has someone riding it, obviously, but then pulling a carriage that then has another four adults sitting in it, <laughs> plus all of their luggage. <laughs> then put hundreds of these on the road with thousands of scooters oh. and t- and too many cars and trucks. Ooh, Dave. <laughs> And that was the kids' first half hour in Cambodia. I was weaving through this beeping, crazy, <laughs> just erratic traffic. That would uh, be crazy. And I love it. I love it. It's so good. It, it, it is, it's actually been nominated by both of the kids as one of the things that they miss is getting home and they're not being tuk-tuks to catch everywhere. And so cheap, right, by comparison. Uh, yeah, look, uh, well, in some places, yes. Um, although, uh, t- to be honest with you, Stephen, we were the tourists who got ripped off by absolutely oh. everyone and smiled the whole way. It was oh, fine. Dave. Oh, no, it's, listen, it's, listen. Look at you holding up the economy. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, ultimately, the, the difference for me between paying 3 and $5 for a tuk-tuk ride is pretty insignificant. Yeah. But for this poor bugger who's out there you know, busting his butt all day, it, it makes a difference. So oh, I'm, for sure. I'm happy to... Just pay a bit over the odds and, yeah. Yeah, but, like, that's the difference, right? It's not like the difference is three bucks to, to 20 bucks. Oh, no. No. Although, so we, we had two stints in uh, Phnom Penh uh, mm. broken up by a couple of days down in Kampot, which is uh, down south near the coast. And when we got back to Phnom Penh to the, to the train station uh, and wanted to go back to our hotel... Having done uh, trips of that distance multiple times in yes. the preceding week, 
when the guy asked us for 10 bucks, which is just about, you know, the indignation, Steve, that flew out of my lips was enormous. <laughs> the guy got a bit of a shock. He wasn't expecting that. So we negotiated that down a little bit. He still got a good deal out of us, but there's no way I was paying 10 bucks to no. get Oh, God, no. No, that was, that was outrageous. And that's always the thing to keep in mind, isn't it, when you travel to countries... Um, where the exchange rate can be a bit skew if to just keep in mind, you know, what this is worth. Because you're right, there are moments where you go, look, for for a couple of bucks that I might spend on a can of Coke that helps this guy or this person, you know, keep their family alive and afloat, that's fine. Yep, exactly. Um, however, when they do then front you and say, <laughs> oh, no, no, that will cost this much, and you do the math and go, that's no. about two and a half times what the other guy charged me. Yep. Yes. Yep. Well, see, uh, over in Cambodia, the, the the currency there is the real, mm. uh, but b- because of you know massive inflation years ago, uh, fourth about four thousand real is worth one American dollar. Oh. So basically, everything's done in U.S. currency, and you get yeah. your change in real. <laughs> so you'll sort of get you know like. Uh, you know, a dollar and two and a half thousand real back <laughs> as change. Gosh, which is which is always fun. Uh, and, your head in working it out. Oh, look! The, the hilarious thing too is um, people are always really happy to give you real in change. Yes, but when you try to give it back, it's sort so of like, well, it's like you got any American dollars? It's like, well, yes, but I'm giving you back the real. I mean, <laughs> like, the hotels would take it. Like, it's still oh, legal yeah. currency. Oh, right? oh, absolutely, everywhere takes it. Um, especially like if you're in the markets uh, buying food and stuff like that, because there, like, you know, most of the stuff is only a couple of thousand real. Um, like, you know, I, I got to uh, reacquaint myself with the uh, the light of uh, a cold coconut, like fresh coconut, mm. drinking the juice out of that. Nice, yep. Um, an- another favourite is they have these little machines uh, that they put a piece of sugar cane through yeah, and, freshly squeezed and get juice. the juice. Oh, like, I think that was like, 2,000 real, so 50 cents oh, US. Yeah. That was very tight. Just keep coming back for that one, wouldn't and, you? And the beer, the beer's 50 cents. Yeah. <laughs> That's good too. And to boot, with all of that, the gastro is free. Oh boy, is it. <laughs> Before we get into the, the eating, eating patterns and stuff, um, it, just some stuff to help me out. Hmm. Um, the, the language spoken in Cambodia is... Khmer. And how's your Khmer? Uh, I can say Hello. Um, I can say thank you. I can say no thank you, which is very, very useful when you oh, have man. vendors and tuk-tuk drivers uh, chasing you. Uh, and a few, just a few little bits and pieces. Just enough to make the uh, the local people think that you actually care about them, which they really they really appreciate it. It's, yeah. it is a, it's so like the, the least possible effort that it could be. It just makes them feel happier that you actually care a little bit about this country hmm. that you are, are visiting, um, as opposed to someone who just clearly has no interest at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I've, I've got to admit, interestingly enough, this time around, um, like the English that most of the people we interacted with was yes. actually a lot better than last time I was there three years ago. Wow. Um, and and so I had actually less need to brush up on my Khmer. And, and last time I was there, we, we, because of the way I was there with a, a different group, 
we actually spend a lot more time with um, like the same guides or or, mm-hmm. or fixers or people like that. And so uh, it was a lot easier to sort of uh, work on it. You know, how do you say this? How do you say that? And sure. then work on it with you a little bit. Whereas this time, yeah, like not every person in Cambodia wants to be your uh, your language teacher. So yeah, <laughs> Khmer's not on Duolingo. So mm. you just got to uh, piece it together as best you can. So yeah, I was going to say or hazard the guess that uh, uh, most of the Cambodians you met, their English was better than your Khmer. Oh yes, by a very very long way. Actually, although hilariously, one of the places that we visited, um, the Bamboo Railway in Batambong, uh when you get to this the the, the little stop there, uh, there's a, a couple of little shops, and you get immediately mobbed by kids who oh, want to sure. sell sell your stuff. Yeah, and. The, their English is excellent at you. Bu- you buy from me. Pinky promise that you'll buy from me. Don't buy oh. from anyone else. You'll buy from me. Oh. And as soon as you ask, and it's incredibly good. And when you start asking a question that very varies from uh, how much and how many, all of a sudden it's just like ah, yeah. what? <laughs> you buy from me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, well, I know, to, to be fair, some of them had pretty good English, but yeah, the, the littler ones, clearly they had learnt the, this is what you've got to say to, yes. to, to get a couple of bucks out of these people's pockets. Yeah, or, uh, or they'd and, been and prepped and, it. And, and pimped to make sure that they knew uh, what to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and, and that only got worse when you get to like the, the, the temples near Siam Reap and stuff like that. And then <laughs> that, that's where you get the really committed kids who will just you know, wander after you for like 200 metres, mm. just going, you know, whether it's a book or a flute or a yes. magnet or something like that. It's just, you know, buy from me, yeah. buy from me. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, you're not having a great day, are you, kid? Oh, no. Nah. So, but anyway, but it, it's, it is part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... Uh, uh, Look, I love the country. I, I just love it. Um, it was we hadn't. I didn't go to Campot last time I was there, so I was really, really glad to uh, make the trip down and see somewhere a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and Batambong, we, we visited again. We'd been there last time, and it's sort of a, a more of a, of a rural place. It, yeah. Um, compared to Phnom Penh, anyway. Batambong. Um, it sounds like a place that's just across the border from Albury. <laughs> Might as well be, uh, and but uh, yeah. After all of it, I'd, I'd still come back and, and love Phnom Penh the For best. Sure. It, it's yeah, just, yeah. I, I don't know. Actually, it was really weird because we didn't get to Sam Reap, which is up near the the Angkor temples, uh, until we'd already been there over a week and a half. Yeah, and it's not like we didn't see another single Westerner the whole time we were we were there, but it's not like you were running into people. A lot. Yeah. Until you get to see him reef and you head to like Pub Street and all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, it feels like you're in Bali or something and it is the weirdest, like, that was the culture shock moment for all of us. It's like, where did all these white people come from? Oh, what yeah, are they doing imagine. here? Uh, yeah, and that's when you just go, oh, no, 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 behave yourself better. No, oh, oh. Yeah, don't do, oh, oh, put the bucket of beers down. Yeah. Well, I look, it's, it was low season when we were over there, so it wasn't... Oh, look, I'm going to guess it only gets worse. Um, but it wasn't too bad. But oh, it, it was imagine. It was still weird. Really, really weird. Yep. 
Yeah. Did you manage to pop in and say hi to the royal family? Uh, in Cambodia? Yeah, do they have one? I mean, well, I've just made a massive assumption. No, so. well, it, 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 it's complicated. Oh, I love that. Keep talking. Yeah. Um, well, see, the royal, the royal family uh, played a big part in politics um, up until in the 60s, and then there was a coup, and then there was the Khmer Rouge, yep. and then there was the Vietnamese period, and then like they kind of exist, but then it's not like in Thailand where it's like, you say the wrong thing and you get your hands cut well, you, off. Well, it's like, well, you know, you go to a movie in Thailand and you need to stand at the start of a movie when you go to the cinema. Yeah. Um, as they have a special song uh, oh, great. F- for the monarch yes. before the film starts. Can we? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, it's, not, it's not like that in, in Cambodia. Um, so, no, no we, we, we didn't actually even drop in on the Royal Palace, even though we were, were nearby. I mean, uh, I, that said, mate, depending on what happens here in the next few months, that could be happening in Australian cinemas any day now. <laughs> it certainly could. Anyway, sorry, you were saying you you sort of were going to drop in on the palace. Well, yes, but but uh, uh, TripAdvisor told us that about three quarters of it was was uh, like closed off because they were doing uh, renovations. Oh, of course, so yeah, yeah. We we decided to uh, to save our. Our, our our dollars and spend them somewhere else in Phnom Penh rather than yep. wandering through a closed palace where they don't want to show you anything. It didn't seem like fun. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's all good. So you were you were also concerned going into the trip about taking the kids to um, what was the place? Oh uh, yeah, so so Chiang Ek, which is the, the killing fields. Yes, and, that's it. And Tiol Sling prison, which is also known as S21, which is where uh, most of the sort of torturing was done before they took people out to the killing fields. So we didn't go to the killing fields, okay, uh, but we did all go to Tiol Sling, uh, and Rach did the audio tour, which um, you know, talked you through all the thing and, oh, and wow. actually had some conversations with inter- like interviews with some survivors and mm-hmm. pretty graphically explained what happened there. Uh, whereas I just wandered around with the kids um, and I sort of told them a bit of the story and obviously there were, you know, plaques there and bits and pieces and I filled them in with the stuff that I'd learnt last time I was there and uh, that, that, that was enough. Uh, after that, they really didn't want to go to the killing fields and I think that was probably fair enough. Um, and... After, again, re- listening to the audio tour, Rach was like, no, nah, I get it. I've heard enough. So, yeah, yeah. so we didn't go to, to Chiang Ek. Um, As in everyone didn't go? No, or? no. No, none of us went out to Chiang Ek. Okay. Yeah. But uh, but that was good. Like, and we did that relatively early into the trip. Yes. Um, and, and look, I, I think that was important. I think that did add like a layer of perspective for, for sure. the kids, yeah. so I'm really glad that that they did it. Um, yep. And yeah, I, I think not getting them the audio tour was a good decision because I think that was might have been a bit too brutal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's good. Like, um, yeah, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised by how the kids took to Cambodia because, like, it is it, it's a confronting place. Yeah, uh, it's it's just so far removed from the, their lived experience. I mean, uh, it, it's not like they've spent a lot of time in Sydney or Melbourne, 
But even that doesn't even remotely prepare you for for somewhere like Phnom Penh. Yeah. Like, it, it's just a world away in every sense of, of the word. Uh, so it was yeah, it was good. Like, the, they... Yeah, that they love the trip. I don't know that they're going to be, you know, busting to head back straight away. <laughs> Dad, can we go to Disneyland next time? <laughs> yeah, I think so. But that said, you know, I think part of the reason that we wanted to take the kids there was just to sort of really, you know, expose them to the fact that there's, you know, a whole other world out there that Australia and Albury is not, you know, the extent of. Uh, of where your horizons should be and yeah mission achieved so that's good that's really good that's really good um you mentioned that you avoided the rat how did the rest of the food go oh it was good like like see he's there's this real dichotomy in in food in cambodia uh, because you've got some stuff like the reason that there's rat and tarantula and stuff like this is it, like that really is a holdover from the Khmer Rouge years where there was just literally nothing to eat. Yeah. Uh, and people would just eat absolutely anything that they could for sustenance. Um, and also, you know, have to do that surreptitiously because, of course, if you got caught eating anything that wasn't from the, you know, the shared food bowl, you'd be executed for it. Mm. So, like, it's... There's a lot... Oh, there's a lot to unpack. Mm. Um, <laughs> but... Look, the you know the the food that they have is, you know, it's it's usually fresh stuff and um, like it, it's nice. Like if you want to talk about it from a culinary perspective, it's like you know Cambodia is is physically in between Thailand and Vietnam, and the yes. food's kind of in the middle between Thai and Vietnamese for mm-hmm. the most part. But uh, I got to tell you, um, we also ate a lot of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> because again, you know, you want food that's that you know has is hot <laughs> and will kill all the pathogens. Um, but we also you know ate um, street food from the markets fairly regularly. Yep. Um, and again, the time that I did get very sick, uh, I am pretty well convinced that it was from the breakfast buffet at the hotel. Oh, Dave! If I had have just you know wandered out the front door. Uh, and grabbed yeah, grabbed something from one of the little Picked carts up a spoon on the side and, of the like, road. Pulled a, a bit of puddle water and drank that. Yeah, maybe not quite that, quite that far, but <laughs> the I mean, like some of the, the the stuff they had in the street vendors was very very cool and very very tasty. Yes, uh, and yeah, that that definitely was the the better bet than. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure it was the 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 buffet that did me. In. Isn't it horrible, honestly, when. Like, you're in another country where they sort of caution you, be prepared, you know, make sure don't get ice in your drink, only get unopened bottles of water, just to make, because there's those kinds of risks in the water, um, that even when it comes to the hotel where you're staying at, you've got to take those kinds of protections because somebody buggers it up in the food handling process. Oh, yeah. Look, the, actually, the, the funny thing is in Cambodia... That's actually one one of the places where it's actually actually really safe to get ice in your drinks. And, oh, really? And and let me tell you, you need ice. You need ice. In oh everything. no, here the heat lasts. <laughs> but need ice but in life. it's actually really safe for that because um, there's not a lot like there's not a lot of refrigeration, right? Yeah. So what a lot of the shops and things do is they they still get like daily um, ice deliveries. Ice deliveries. Wow. Uh, 
Uh, and so the ice is usually actually quite safe, which is, which is yeah, funny because it's one of those things that, like you say, in the guidebooks, it's like, oh, don't ever have ice. And it's like, let me tell you, the, one of the, the best things there is the iced coffees and you, yeah. you are going to be having lots and lots of ice. <laughs> oh, and I hear that. And look, my my Asian um, uh, or, or Indo-Chinese sort of, couldn't even call it touristing because it it's only ever been for work, has entirely been Indonesia and China. And in both places, I was 1,000% paranoid. Um, and so, like, I even got some, got some, like, pre-eating drugs that you can buy over the counter um, <laughs> right. that, that you eat but like you take before the meal so that if you do somehow manage to score you know uh, somebody washed a piece of lettuce in dodgy water or something uh, that this is supposed to help sort of ward that off or deal with that in your gut before it becomes a real problem mm, yeah look uh, it's just look, look uh, uh, Rach uh, got through pretty well unscathed. Callie got through without any dramas whatsoever. Oh, nice. Um, I got hit once, and Roops got hit really badly twice. Oh, no. And despite oh. that, he still liked being in Cambodia. Nice. So, <laughs> so does it lays you out for a solid 24 hours, doesn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. if you get it really bad, like it's, you have to talk to the doctor. Yeah, oh, well, we, we, we had some like super-duper... Um, yeah, this will kill everything in your guts. Antibiotics that we took, uh, basically, it's like you know, if you get something, take this, and then just keep filling yourself full of emodium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, the the funniest thing was like th- that sort of came and went. I'm, I'm I'm actually a bit crook now. I think more to do with the fact of you know getting a budget air carrier and having to spend eight hours in a well, it was a long fart tube. For, oh, sorry, a fart tube full of long pigs. That's it. Um, and you know, I think that is what's really ended up taking me low. And I mean, you'd know, having been a you know, an international traveller yourself, mm-hmm. Stephen, you would know that there's only so long you can spend in you know rooms with different aircon than you're used to, and the planes and the airports and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, you catch a cold in a heartbeat in those sorts of situations. It eventually, it eventually catches you. Yeah. But yeah, you, you throw that on top of. You know, some time in a developing country, and you, you're going to get home, and it's going to take a little while to get completely better. Yeah, but that's a good way to use up all that sick leave. <laughs> I should do that. Oh, God. I'm so dumb. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm sick. Back in a week. <laughs> oh, look, I think they would just about murder me if I tried that. <laughs> How many unread emails did you come back to? 408. How many could be filtered out uh, as uh, all everyone replying alls and stuff? Oh, no, look, not enough. <laughs> um, That's a very disciplined organisation you work for. Oh, no, it, it, no it's not. <laughs> it's just that so much of the stuff was... Uh, like, like, our organisation, despite the fact that we have instant messaging, uses mm. email like instant messaging. Yep. So, how about this? Can you answer me this? Yes, I can, it's this. And what about this? And it's this. What about this? It's just like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, Make God, oh, God. And so, like, there were there were email chains about stuff that I had to know about. Yeah. But, you know, it took 10 emails to read them. And this happened over and over. The and worst over. part oh. in those scenarios, though, is when they branch off. Like, yes. at least 
just keep it all in the one thread so I can go to the end email and read from the bottom up. It's when someone else replies and then cuts someone else out or changes the yep. topic and Play other people that. dive in and now you've got two streams. Oh, it's the, it's worse than Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that's... I think I've still got about 20 unread ones that I haven't quite you know, wandered through yet. But, mm. And yeah. just to clarify, I love Ghostbusters. I mean, don't cross the streams. <laughs> yeah, but anyway... Uh, um, I know. Look, I, it's it's funny. It's uh, I, I do like talking about these trips, but it, it's also re- really really hard mm. to to try to give context to all the stuff sure. and, and and even sort of share why it's it's important or why it's good. But you know, like the short version is though, we did food tours, did lots of stuff in the markets. Nice. Did it. Uh, two days doing the the Angkor temples, which yep. was amazing. And because uh, last time through with the group I was with, we probably had you know, three quarters of a day yep. zipping through there. Um, whereas this time we took two days. We had a, um, a guide and a driver yes. to sort of take us around and see some of the more remote ones and uh, and really plan the trip for us to sort of get maximum impact. Which was great because, again, uh, as amazing as I think a bunch of 800-year-old uh, stone temples are, uh, there's no guarantee that uh, a pair of teenagers are going to find it quite as engaging, and yet they did. And actually, you know, Rupert came back and said that was probably his favourite part of the whole trip was seeing nice. temples. Which That's great. It is. It's um bit surprising to be honest but anyway look he might just be pandering but either way i'm happy i'll go with it mate if nothing else he's playing the long game so that when he and cal say we want to go to universal studios in la next time um dad goes well you did enjoy it for mine so <laughs> yeah well look the, the difference there though Stephen, is that uh the entire cambodia adventure probably costs about what the airfares to the us do for a family so you yeah. have to keep that in mind and look even though my preferred carrier, Qantas, do still offer some great deals where a return economy airfare to the US uh, is, you know, sub a thousand bucks. Um, it's still four thousand bucks to get my family there and back. Yeah, exactly. And it will. And you're also not, I don't think, going to get uh, accommodation quite as uh, cheap or food or, you know, well, oh, anything, the- really. This, this is the hook, and, and often the misconception. It's no way the food and accommodation will be as cheap as somewhere like Cambodia. The food and accommodation will definitely be cheaper than here. Yeah, this is a good point. And, like, and... <laughs> if we could take the $4,000 out of it, you would you would absolutely holiday in America every chance you got. The, the other difference, too, is uh, when you go to the US, you, you don't end up spending thousands of dollars on vaccines and Truth. malaria medication. Truth. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, there are certain areas where you'd probably need it, but... <laughs> Uh, not if you go to the places like New York and Texas and all that sort of stuff. No, LA. The, 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 not, not, not too much uh, ja- Japanese encephalitis in, no. <laughs> in the US. No, that, you're pretty safe. Yeah, not, not, a lot, not a lot of worry about that at Disneyland, that's for sure. But you will have to be prepared to uh, show them what's on your phone and possibly even open up your social media account. Yeah, oh God, that's a bit fraught isn't it but then again if Stilgarian can get in and out of the states mate it can't be that yeah hard. we're safe we are 100% a-okay um though I will admit that the latest development in New Zealand what is it they've now done similar things if you're requested 
uh, when you enter the country to reveal your passcode so that they can check your phone, uh, change your phone code before you go to like all sixes. So that when you have to tell them, get them to repeat it back to you. You'll have a great time. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with like change it to all zeros there and make a Kanye joke. But... Oh, we, we are not ready to even we're bring not, up that we're name not, we're not that what happened we're not in that the last are we? week. <laughs> uh, Lowlights for, for the trip? Um, Apart from, you know, being acquainted with um, your hotel bed for a day or so? Uh, uh, that That's pretty much it. Like, we did, we were just really fortunate. We didn't have anything go wrong. Mm. Like, we just, um, we, tra- we, we travelled pretty light. Like, we just took um, a travel backpack each um, for, like, that's all the gear that we had because one, one of my favourite things about uh, Cambodia is you can get your laundry done for a dollar a kilo. Oh, got well. That still cost me ten bucks. Just for a <laughs> pair of jeans and a shirt. Anyway, so um, so it's like, so that's like that, that means you know you, you can pack light because you, you know your laundry will get done. Mm. Like it, it's actually really hilarious. That's the, what I love about Indonesia. Oh man, keep going. Well, it's hilarious going to the, like. They have laundry service in the hotels, but where they'll char- be charging you like a couple of dollars per piece of clothing, mm. versus you just get you know, you know, three days worth of stuff. You walk down, you know, about three or four doors down or across the road or something, and there will be a little hole in the wall laundry. Yeah. We'll do the whole thing for three bucks, and it's like yeah, and, and that win. was my experience, right? Like when I went when I had my Indonesian trip um, with my previous job. Um, I had two or three days in, um, at Bali, um, you know, on Kuta beach, basically it was amazing. Like I got to stay in this great hotel because I just did. Um, and they looked after us. It was really lovely. And I, I, the thing that I found saddest about it was just walking around, you know, the back streets of Bali through, you know, all of the, Hey, we'll sell you a t-shirt. G'day mate. You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I got over myself. Doing it by myself. That was probably the saddest part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we went, like we island hopped two islands east of that, which was where we were actually going for work. And the um, surf resort, I use that word resort pretty loosely, that they put us up in was nice. You know, it's not, it wasn't 11 teen stars, but it was nice. But I checked with the, the desk and I said, how much is um, the laundry? And it was, yeah, that kind of basically will do it for the Australian equivalent of 50 cents per piece. So just every night, clothes went in the wash, you know, by the next, later that afternoon, they were back in my room. It was the best. Actually, I, I do have the low light for you. Yes. Because <laughs> I think I told you, we didn't really like plan out all our accommodation or anything like that before we went. We oh, just that's of... right. You said you were going to just roll with the punches. And we did, and we yeah. did. And that worked out pretty well. <laughs> right until uh, we were coming from... Campot back to Phnom Penh. Mm. So, so the the hotel where we'd stayed for our first stint in Phnom Penh was all booked out. Yes, uh, and so we looked on, you know, on one of the hotel apps, and we found a place that was nearby. And look, it seemed okay, and the rating on the hotel site was okay. Mm. And we were in a hurry, and we just went, "Yep, that's fine. It's near where we were. Let's just pick that." So we then uh, catch the train from Campot back to uh, Phnom Penh, 
which was absolutely amazing, sort of heading through the countryside. Because uh, one of the things in Cambodia, um, everywhere is a shop. Yes. And, and I mean that quite literally. Like, the highway between, you know, all your major towns, it will be lined non-stop with, uh, you know, with buildings that will be selling you something or another. Either there'll be, a, like, a local shop or they'll be selling tuk-tuk parts or they'll be selling, motor, you know, petrol or, like, just everywhere is a shop. Yes. But out along the, the rail line, um, not so much. And so you sort of get to see this rural vista that's, com- you know, completely different. But... Um, just like the roads in Cambodia aren't fast, neither's the train service. So Kampot mm. to Phnom Penh, which I think was about, I think it was about a hundred and fifty kilometres, maybe. Yes. Um, that took like five hours on the train. Gosh. <laughs> so Gosh. We, we got back to Phnom Penh, and uh, it's stinking hot. The tuk tuk driver wants to charge us way too much money to go to a hotel. <laughs> We get, you know, we bargain him down, we get there, we walk in, and, like, the the uh, the reception just doesn't have the, the same feel to it as the places mm. that it had been previously, right? Yeah, like, mm. that's always telling. And they go, okay, and they go, all right, well, breakfast is down in the dining room, just there, and they pointed to, like, a glass-in room right next to reception, that had a whole bunch of scooters in it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's Ooh. not a great no. look. Um, and then um, we were on the first floor. And so we thought, oh, we'll just take the stairs. Yeah. Uh, and then we're wandering along the hallway, looking around. And it turns out it's a good thing we were happy to take the stairs because there was no elevator at all. <laughs> Get down to our rooms, head in there. And I get a feeling that this place... Um, has got uh, a swimming pool, maybe oh. on the on like a level above where these rooms oh, were, because yeah. there's water stains all over the ceiling. Oh, and we wander into the bathroom, and <clears throat> you know those sort of like uh, brass uh, taps that you have on like agricultural pipe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's two of those sticking out of the wall. Just weird stains everywhere. Welcome to your master bedroom. <laughs> yep, and uh, and and I had a cracking headache. I just had a cracking. So headache. your tolerance for any of this is so low. Yep, <laughs> and, uh, and and Rach is just like, I don't want to stay here at all. I'm yep. just like, you know what? Done. That's fine. <laughs> That's what we're doing. So we just put our bags back on our back. Wandered straight down to the uh, to the reception. Said, "Hi, we're really sorry, but we just can't stay here. <laughs> we, yep. we, just cancel it. Pay for tonight. That's fine. Yep. Refund us the other couple of nights we're going to be here. We're finding somewhere else." <laughs> so they were very very apologetic that we weren't happy, um, and they you know, refunded us for everything except the first night, uh, and then. We spent a little bit more time on TripAdvisor this time looking for our next hotel because once we got there we, and went, this doesn't look very good. We hopped on TripAdvisor only to find all these like current things going, no, no, it's terrible, don't go there. Oh. Oh. And so we found somewhere that was much, much nicer that was still in that same sort of precinct yeah. um, just down from the Foreign Correspondence Club. We went around there and that greatly lifted our spirits and improved Great. our mood as it was, it was probably... Uh, the pick of the places that we stayed 
um, the whole time that we were there, to be honest. It was fantastic. See, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that would be hard-pressed, apart from, and I know that Michelle would be the same, just absolutely scouring the internet to get every review, to weigh every piece of information that we could get up out of this. Even, like, Google street mapping it, we would do everything uh, before we left. And then if we got there and liked it, yeah, we're not going anywhere else. That'll just be our base. We will go to. The, yeah. We will sit in the tuk tuk for an hour. We will go wherever you need to go. But we're coming back here. <laughs> um, and same if we landed there and went, this is not what we expected or what we thought. It would, it, mate. I would even negotiate that we're not even paying you tonight. See you later, friends. Give us our money back. Um, and out in the street, we'll go somewhere else. Yep. Um, but I, I appreciate your generosity and stuff. So, look, yeah, that, that was the closest thing to a low light, but that turned into a good thing because the, the, the place that we, we ended up with was so much nicer. Aren't they great when you find them? Oh, yeah. And, and it's funny, like, it was... It, so, the, the, the place that we abandoned was, like, half a block away from our first, um, our first hotel. Yes. And then the, the next one that we went to was maybe two blocks away. Um, in a slightly different direction. Mm. Um, and it's just amazing how, in some ways, they were just worlds apart. Like I said before, you know, like, there was just like so much life on every single block. And, yeah, yeah half the fun is like doing a, a walk around the block at like 8 o'clock at night. Um, you know, apart from all the people who assume that every white bloke walking through there wants to buy drugs, once you can, <laughs> you know, again, politely say, no, thank you, and keep moving, um, everything else in there is just massively fun and exciting um, and, and you sort of like get the feel you know like you know, the, the people who are on this block like this is where they live this is this is their world and that block the ne- the, like that next block over is has just as much exciting stuff mm. and a whole different crew of people and like it, it's like it, it's like sort of the, this hyper localism yeah. um, to part of it that's just incredible it's just incredible and i'm down with all of that too like if you can find you know we're going here and we're going here and we're going here and there the places i'm down with that too in fact if i get to sort of hotel two and hotel one was better that'll be when i reconsider stuff or i'll even go visit hotel three before we're even supposed to check in and we may end up getting there early or going back to one um i remember the only time i've ever um cancelled a booking effectively uh, I was in the States. I was in, um, f- was it in Philadelphia? No. I was in oh, one of those eastern states. Wasn't re- wasn't Virginia. It was somewhere over near there. Yep. And we had booked into the usual chain, one of the approved chains that we were allowed to stay in. Um, and the whole point behind that is you get a pretty standard kind of I know what the room's going to look like. I know what the facility's going to be like, blah, blah, blah. I pulled up at this place and not only did it look like it was, you know, had its best day in the 1970s, it, it just kind of felt a bit wrong, even at check-in. And so, you know, here's my card, blah, 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 up I go. Um, and went up to the room and opened the door and walked in and I was hit in the face by the stench of cigarette smoking. And I just went, oh no, this is not a thing. This is not a thing. I didn't book a smoking room. I booked a no... Always, explicitly. I can show you on the form that I... Because I always would prescribe to the um, 
the travel booking company, I want these hotels always non-smoking, and they were great. They always did the best job on that. And so I get, I, I rang up and I said, hi, look, I've been put in a smoking room and I asked explicitly for a no-smoking room. And she went, oh, well, I'm sorry, so we don't have any other rooms tonight. This is all we have. So I'm there going, oh, man, I'm in a crappy room. There's no way I'll be able to sleep in this. It looked like the people before me had murdered someone um, <laughs> and half made the bed. Like, just had that oh, weird God. kind of vibe. Yep. I didn't even roll back the bed, like the, the bed sheets, because I kind of felt like, no, if I do that, I'm going to discover bed bugs and I don't want to discover bed bugs. Um, so I hadn't even unpacked. I just went straight downstairs and said, look, thanks very much. We have to cancel this. I can't stay there. The, per- the lady was very kind. She understood I couldn't stay in a, in a smoking room. So that was great. I go out of my car and went, I now have to find a hotel that meets our, the work criteria of where I stay. Oh, man. Um, so I went and found a Starbucks, I think it was. Sat in there for half an hour. Found out that 10 minutes further out from where I needed to be was another one of those chains. But it opened two weeks ago. <laughs> Hello. Oh, yeah, guess where I went. <laughs> like, I rang them up, do you have a room? Yep, I am coming. Um, and they were super generous, because I, was, I wasn't, like I was saying, for two days. I was there for, like, six or eight. Yep. Um, and they were super generous. So I was, look, we'll put you in this room, because we know you're here for a little bit. It's, uh, we won't charge you anymore for the upgrade. I went, that are the best. That, they are the best words you hear any time you check into a hotel. So we've upgraded you free of charge. Or the room you want isn't available, but we'll put you in this better room without any extra charge, sir. Listen, it is a a great thing to hear, unless you're like me. And I I told you I had to have a security briefing before I left the country, didn't I? No. What? (laughs) No. Okay. Right. So, because I have a very, very, very low-level government clearance... Sure. As part of that, I had to notify the security officer at work that I was embarking on international travel and I had to have a uh, a, br- a security briefing <laughs> before I left. Gosh, Dave, yes. And look, it was, it was mostly fine. Yeah. But one of the first things, of course, one of the first things they do is say, oh, and you need to be really wary if um, they give you a free upgrade for no of particular course. reason yeah. and you need to... Uh, he said, you know, the most common place for hidden cameras is behind the mirror in the bathroom and you should check this and you should check yep. this. And, you, and I'm just wow. sitting there going, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. And of course, what happens the very first place we I'm get to? I'm nobody. Yep. <laughs> the first place we get to, it's just like, it's like, oh, and we've upgraded you. And I'm just like, oh, God. <laughs> I wish I'd never heard. I'm like, great, that's fine. <laughs> but what, see, what you do is in those situations, all you do is go, um... Rach, you handle this. And all Rach is going to say is, yeah. <laughs> and you just go, oh, I didn't know about it until we are in the room. And oh, I did all of the appropriate listen, checks. Wait, I said yes. There's no way yeah, I was not going to take an upgrade. Not a chance on your life. Oh, no, life. absolutely. But what I'm saying is that you just go, I'll just have to check with my wife. And you let Rach go, yeah. And you go, oh, it sounds like we're taking it. Yeah. Oh, no, it's all, it, was, it was hilarious. Because, uh, again, it, it was... It was like um, the like smart traveler on steroids, you know, um, yeah. like the, just like yeah, smart traveler but with an extra level of paranoia thrown in, um, and uh, look, I feel safer in Phnom Penh than I do mm. in Sydney, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. So, uh, 
you know, for all of the, oh, be careful, you know, of the bag snatching and this, that, and the other. And it's just like, look, I, I believe that it has happened. Like, I'm, I'm sure. But yeah. it, um, it's not something that I was, you know, spending time stressing out about. That's for sure. It's just, yeah, it's a wonderful country. I love it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, so I, I haven't had my, my post-travel debrief yet, but um, I don't think it's going to be particularly exciting seeing as uh, uh, there was no one asking about my work because why would you? My work is boring. Yeah. Um, and no one asking me for information about the Australian government because people in Cambodia, they're angry enough about their own government. I don't think they care about anyone else's. Uh, yeah, so it's... it's from that perspective, it was pretty uneventful. But let me tell you, if I like, if I'd never been to Cambodia before and took seriously everything that was said in that security briefing, you would just absolutely get back be, on the plane, fly. Oh, home. Like, you, you wouldn't even go. Like, <laughs> one of the things was, you know, oh, you should wear a straw hat so that way, if someone drops acid on you from like the second story, it'll like bounce off rather than if you're wearing a, a cloth cap where it'll stick to your head. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm looking out for acid. Why is someone going to do an acid attack on me? Uh, anyway. Yeah. So I was very, very glad that uh, none of the uh, horror stories... <laughs> I, I didn't get, a, I didn't get uh, ringworm or... Ta- oh, no, 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 it wasn't ringworm. Was it what? I don't know, some worm. Heartworm. Yeah, eh, I don't know. Some worm nasty worm. one. that apparently gets into your lungs and... Wormy anyway. McWorm face. Yeah, so... Yeah, it was... Uh, right. I mean, you sort of have to start from the perspective that... Yeah, you, know, you could get hit by a car walking out your front door, so you might as well not you know, become paranoid about travelling somewhere else. Like, obviously you take some precautions, but at some point you're not going to have any fun if you're <laughs> spending your entire time looking out for threats. Not truth. Absolutely, and and I like you've got to pity the people who actually have reasonable security clearance oh, that God. try to have a holiday. Like there is no, there's just no chance for them to kind of do the full off the grid backpacker, you know that kind of vibe. Like you're going, oh no, I'm tra-, like you've got to submit your flogging itinerary. Yep, yep. We, we I had to do I had to do a basic one, um, but again because my clearance level is so low that no one cares about me. Yeah, it didn't have to be hyper detailed but yeah there are, I, I have co-workers who yeah, travelling overseas is just a nightmare oh imagine being the sysadmins in some of these customers that you work for that have the clearance to allow them to go and do all of those things uh, and yeah can't do that mm. even if they travel to America they have to say I'm going here I'm seeing this uncle I'm going it's a holiday I'm going to this festival or blah 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 whatever yep so yeah so that, that was that was another yeah hilarious part of the trip highlight but, Highlight. Oh, gee. Um, just, just the cool people that we met, like mm-hmm. the the guides and drivers. Like, um, yeah, we we we're just awesome, awesome people who were yep. just so willing to share uh, of themselves. Um, we had a guy who we, from our first hotel in Phnom Penh, one of the took drivers from the hotel who we sort of used uh the whole time we were there um and so you know we'd do things like you know if we were out for the full day we'd get him to pick 
pick somewhere for us to go for lunch and come and have lunch with us. And so, you know, you going in these places that aren't on tour, like, you know, this place you, will, you wouldn't find it on TripAdvisor, let me tell you. Yeah, um, and it's, but, a, it's a nice trick to have him come and have dinner lunch with you because, yeah. I mean, you're not going somewhere dodgy and the food isn't dodgy because <laughs> he's eating it. Absolutely. Uh, but, but it also gives you a chance to sort of sit down and, and have a chat. And, and Yeah, yeah. You know, like a, a meal's a good time to get to know someone. You guys are sitting there poised, forks with food on it, waiting for him to take the first bite. But but, well, but, and, but the, the other advantage to doing that is like we had lunch for five of us for $11. Oh, man, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Whereas when, if you're eating at the hotel or somewhere like that, like it's cheaper than Australia, but it's still not cheap. Oh, mate, you can't do that in the States, I'll promise you that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, yeah, just again, the, the the people who we met were were amazing. Um, in in terms of sights, like you know, we did a, a sunset cruise on the Mekong, looking back over Phnom Penh. That was just mm-hmm. you know stunning and a, a really really different view of, of of the city to what you'd get day to day. You know, the temples at Angkor are just you know still like still astonishing, still yeah. just. Uh, breathtaking, and and hopefully will be for thousands of years to come, right? Well, you hope so. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's just I know I love it. It's a good country. Rachel's already decided that she'd like to go back, so we might do a, a stop in Phnom Penh on the on way to somewhere else in Southeast Asia next time we go. Nice. Yeah, like I said, kids not necessarily so keen to mm. have the. Uh, 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 there's been a request put in for uh, New Zealand. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think the idea of somewhere that's different but not too different is fairly appealing to the to the teenage mind. But yeah. um, but that yeah, travel is good, Steve. Travel is good. Broadens the mind, Dave. Mm. And uh, oh, look, and the other uh, the other highlight was um, <laughs> on the last trip we ran into some you know, real um, bloody. Uh, horrible stereotype of you know, I'm not a tourist, I'm a oh. traveller, douchebags. Oh gosh! <laughs> Instagram run... jerks. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't run into any of them this time, so that was nice too. <laughs> oh, that's always good. That, yeah. That's my biggest fear, particularly through Asia, because it's so cheap. You've got lots of people who are trying to build up their following as a uh, you know a, a yoga experiencing um, you know Instagram travel blogger. Um, so that they can just do this for the rest of their life and just live their best numbers today. Um, yeah, I just, I, I have very low tolerance for people that act in that fashion. Yeah, on the last trip, we ran into actually a bunch of those sort of people <sighs> in um, in Thailand. Oh, gosh. Um, but yeah, no, no one at all this time. And, and it, it was pretty funny, actually, because... Of course, you know, they laid out the whole, oh, and I'm doing this. It's like, well, what are you doing? It's like, well, we've just spent two weeks in Cambodia after raising thousands of dollars for remote schools and health services. And they're like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on having a cleanse tomorrow and posting, uh, adding so, some photos to my story. So, so we, we actually absolutely played that up with those people. Oh, yeah, gosh, please, can we? <laughs> gosh. But uh, no, none, none of them this time. So that was also a highlight. I was just... Ah, oh, it's good, Steve. It's good. Yeah, that's awesome, Dave. Mm. And, and look, mate, just not being at work for three weeks is so nice. I am so desperately looking forward to that, Dave. Yeah. I have the busiest probably month ahead of me. And then after I get through the first week of December, uh, the following two weeks will actually be reasonably cruisy, prep for next year, 
me catching up on all of the coffee meetings and lunch meetings that I've been wanting to have with people that I just can't fit in or they're busy but particularly because I'm busy um, and I'm feeling it but I have just had leave approved from uh, like the week of Christmas through till just after Australia Day with a slight interruption in the middle of it nice um, yeah oh, unprecedented and I cannot wait Luke and I have plans to watch uh, every one of the Marvel films in chronological order <laughs> That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Oh, it's high on the list. Mm. Yeah, no, look, I could say, tur- turning off notifications for my work email mm. was great. Yeah, yeah, just so deleting the, the login details from your phone. Bang. Yep. Love it. Although, hilariously, though, because I've got, like, the, the Skype for Business app on my phone. Mm. And it does weird login stuff. Like, if I actually want to use it, you can guarantee that it won't be logged in, right? Yes, but when you don't want it to be... Oh, you'll get random, like, messages people from people. Will, yeah, ring. <laughs> yeah, well, it's mainly, like, instant, like instant messaging. Yes. Um, so, yeah, occasionally I'd, I'd get random IMs from people at work and I would just go, delete. <laughs> no, I'm not even going yep, to say... Not, not even going to say I'm on leave. Just not even gonna, no, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can figure that out. Like, I've got an out-of-office... It yeah, when be... I don't respond, you'll send me an email and you'll work out that I'm on leave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pff, easy enough. But yes, yeah. uh, I, I again reinforced, Steve, in my own mind, the fact that I'm very good at being on holiday. Uh, yes. And I think I could quite easily um, live a life of, of leisure. Yes. As you, as you said you know, when we, we were starting, to get that trick of, of, of having that regular income mm, but not having to actually we? do anything for it. Yeah. I would be very good at that. You know, I've read and heard stories of people who find, you know, like the the apocryphal uh, lotto winners who end up worse off than yep. they were to start with. You know, I, I know. I'm willing it, to take that risk. Well, I'm willing to try that out. I'll I'll give it a bash. Yeah, yeah. I I I think I could break the break the cycle. I think I could put one on team leisure. There's a quietly. guy I know that was like a, a small investor, but an investor enough for them to recognise him as an investor when Shazam was a startup. Uh, and he's now sitting very, very pretty as they've uh, on-sold the company a couple of times or as, you know, they've kept that whole thing running for him. Yeah. Um, but Apple to the point bought. where you would go, mate, that's enough for you to retire. And no, no, he's still working. He's still doing heaps of stuff. And good on him. Like, he's that kind of guy. But I would have said, mate, that is your get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, yep. go and get a nice house somewhere that you enjoy, somewhere where it's a place where you can just relax and go and live there. See, that's the challenge, though, because I like the travelling a lot, but mm. you do hit a point where you go, yep, I'm ready to be at home for a little while. Not working, just be at yeah. home. Well, but I it, think that in that situation, you just find, like, you find a way to engage yourself in your community oh, or your yeah, family absolutely. or you but, just but, do that stuff. But, but here's the challenge, though, Steve. If you could live everywhere, anywhere... Where on earth would you live? Oh, Dave. Because here's, here's the thing. I, I actually quite like my my modest house yes. in Albury. Yep. But if, if you can live anywhere, why on earth would you pick Albury? Copy that. <laughs> so, loud so, and clear. But then, but then that means like moving and completely disconnecting yourself from all of your social supports. So, yeah. oh, so man. then and, and, what happens? Well, I, and I hear all of that, right? That's always the challenge. Mm. And I reckon... Like, for mine, it's either got to be somewhere connected to water. Like, 
I'm going for a swim, relaxing, you know, the beach is just there or the I've got a good pool or something, something. Um, uh, but I also have to take into account what my, you know, lovely wife would want. And her and my ideal, like, because my ideal house could be anywhere uh, because it's anywhere above the 20th floor uh, of any building <laughs> that is a whole floor apartment. That's That's my ideal everything. Mm-hmm. so everyone's got their spaces we all get together here's the dinner the you know, dining space all that great I would love that to death my wife wants to live on acreage hmm. um, they are not the same thing they are very far from the same thing yeah yeah well, so, well, see, and then there's the other, the other challenge Steve of if you if you did have all that free time mm-hmm. who would you hang out with so oh, look, Dave ten- I would find friends well see this is the thing but, but do you I mean, I don't know what you're like, but I, you know, I'm in my forties. I don't like making new friends. I, so, oh. yeah, I, and I like, I, I like I the that. friends. I like the friends that I've already got. But yep. then, then all of a sudden, Steve, I need to earn enough money to, to give my friends a life of leisure. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, I think I'm, I'm seeing how all these lotto winners end up in so much trouble. Oh, invariably. <laughs> Look, I, I think in that, and I, I'm my last job kind of was warming me up for it. You know, <laughs> I worked from home. My work day, if I you know didn't have a lot to do, uh, usually finished around ten eleven a.m. So, unless I was away, of course, um, yeah. So it was like I, I had those times where it was like three or four weeks, and you know I kept in touch through social media, and I had lunch catch ups, or I went and you know saw a, a movie with a friend or whatever. But it was that kind of vibe. Um, you just have to find things to entertain you in between the times when you're available and your friends are available. It's the same problem that fly-in-fly-out workers face, though, and that's yeah. a real issue, right? Oh, yeah. They, they go to the camp, they work with the people. You may become mates with some of them, fine, that's great. More often than not, some of those relationships get tested. And to be frank, you only know them in a work context, so some of those relationships will not work. Uh, or you find soon enough that they're not fulfilling because all you talk about is work. Um, and then you come home for your seven days off and everyone goes to work and you don't. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless you're someone that's totally keen on, you know, solitude and I'm going fishing and those sorts of things. Um, see ya. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it is, it's it's challenging. And, 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 and the other thing too is... Uh, you're quite often come back coming back to a family who have reached the point where they work better when you're not there. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's right. If you're a person that, that wants to inject yourself into their life, you've got to be really open to, well, this is how we do it when you're not here, so you need to fit into that yep. uh, or stay engaged in the whole process so that there's anticipation. Oh, when dad or mum comes back, we're planning to do this at this time, or this is a thing that we're looking forward to together. Hmm. Um, but that, yeah, that's, it's a tough, it's a tough balance and a tough gig. That's for sure. Um, but no, I t- look, and I agree. I would love, cause this is also my generous kind of nature. I would love to be the guy that goes to, Hey, you four friends, you don't have to work anymore. You know, I will arrange some process that pays for the things that distract you so that you don't have to be distracted and we can just hang out and be big kids together. That would be fun. I, oh. I, 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 I like that idea, Steve, but I'm very, very bad at remembering to buy lotto tickets. especially, oh. And I'm especially bad at remembering to buy winning ones. Yeah, yeah same. I, and I don't even. Um, 
but that's the thing, right? You know, the only way it will happen will be by you, know, you trip over and all of a sudden the most uh, precious metal or whatever is suddenly found sitting on your lawn and you picked it up and you've earned the quadrillion dollars that means that you don't ever have to do that and everyone else is happy. Or you invent something or look, you look, lose two arms. Yeah, ooh, no, well, that, that's actually not even worth that much. That's I, I, not, is it? I've got a friend who was a personal injury lawyer. Let me tell you, you get way less for serious injury than you would imagine. It's, yeah. yeah, it's it's not a lotto win, that's for sure. No, you've got uh, to be kind of 22 and lose both testicles, really, to get any kind of well, like, serious I, I, potential. I think what you need to do is like basically... Um, not die. Well, you, well, that's a good start. Or fake your own death. <laughs> Over-insure and fake your own death. Or like find a nerd who's going to invent a web property that you can mm. exploit. You yeah, know, can like, we? Yeah, I, I think we've missed it. I think we're kind of in the wrong demographic to... The um... future is not blockchain. <laughs> no. By the but... way, how is our non-existent um, uh, cryptocurrency going? Oh, oh, again, not being a Bitcoin speculator, Stephen, I, I haven't... <laughs> I, I don't follow it closely, although I did see the other day that the tethers, the imaginary US dollars mm. that they allegedly... Uh, aligned bitcoins to are now actually worth less than the US dollar. I did hear that it had fallen in the toilet, Dave. So that kind of starts to make the whole thing look as shaky as a, the scam that... Uh, I tell you what, it's probably a good thing that we, you and I never got around to investing in a sliver of a bitcoin, Steve, <laughs> because probably all that it would have led to is identity theft and people stealing our actual wealth. <laughs> it certainly wouldn't have made us any money. You know what I'm really looking forward to in the next couple of years is the the insightful documentary that somebody delivers on these Bitcoin millionaires. Um, and not the ones that got in and, you know, got in at the right time and invested a bunch of cash and went and tapped out and said, that's it, I'm done. I mean the ones that actually believed the story and hung in there and saw everything crumble in front of them. Oh, yeah. Because there will be thousands of them and i don't mean the people who are conned into sort of putting one or two or five thousand bucks into bitcoin oh, no, no. i mean everything betting the house on it oh look you uh, i've literally read um things you know, on reddit and places like mm. that people tell and again most of these anecdotes could be nonsense but i'm gonna guess that at least some of them have a, a chunk of truth of with people telling stories of you know, co-workers or stuff like that Ooh. who've like cashed in their like their superannuation or equivalent thereof and put it all into Bitcoin. <laughs> it's just like, no, oh, no, you no, are no. heading for poverty. Well, the only way to benefit on that, right, was to get in on the way up mm. and then basically guess this is where it's going to max out at and get out. Well, now, and, and, often and the, and the thing you was miss too, when that is. Well, not just that. The, the way that it worked, because the, like, the transactions were like... Like, well, that was where the money was. It was the transactional yeah, processing. Yeah, but the, the thing is, they could do so few of those per day. Yeah. Actually, getting your money out was almost impossible. Near impossible. So, look, it's easy to get your money in, but getting it back out again, not so straightforward. Who would have thought that an unregulated monetary function and industry would have caused problems for the people that got into it, holus bolus? Look, the the only bit of Schadenfreude that I get from it is that. It seems to be the people who often get done by things like, things like Bitcoin, uh, dodgy land scams, mm-hmm. uh, all this sort of stuff. It's usually libertarians. 
<laughs> was sort of like, aha, I'm going to you know, live my best life by, uh, by cheating and you know, turning away from any kind of government oversight. And then they just get yeah. ripped off completely. And, oh, and, mate, the and, amount and of people... I should feel I... bad for them, but I, yeah, I just don't. don't. <laughs> like, the fact that they're left with nothing but a copy of Atlas Shrugged kind of makes me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it was like for you, but there were a bunch of people, like a handful, bunch, of people in my Facebook feed that popped up. Oh, I'm really making some good money on, on Bitcoin. You should get involved. Let me yeah, let me know and I'll help you get in on the ground floor, all of that sort of stuff. And all of that was just the transactional processing scam. You know, like invest in my company, which uh, allows people to convert their real coin into into cryptocurrency yeah and we take out whatever the million percent is that we want to put on top of that and that's where you make your coin well see because i'm not on facebook no i didn't have to see all that <laughs> but, but, but to be to be quite blunt i'd rather have someone sell me fucking amway than try yeah. to sell me on bitcoin you know at least i'd know i was getting some you know decent dishwashing powder <laughs> well the, the hook the interesting hook for me was that there was one guy that just got really vocal about it really quick and I thought, oh, like every post was about, oh man, Bitcoin is the is the best. I'm having so much fun with this. I'm earning so much money. I was going, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then all of a sudden, there was another guy, unrelated, no way connected to this person, that started posting almost identical posts. And I don't just mean vibe. I mean like copy paste posts. And I'm like, oh man, what sort of gear is going on here? Um, it'll be it'll be a, a four corners story. You know, probably in the next two years, anecdotally, here's what happened. Here's the evidence. These people dived in, they believed it, they swallowed it, and now, you know, the Jesus coin or whatever other crypto magical currencies got created are worth less than a billionth of a cent. Yeah, yep. The uh, there's that talk about you know, the the great docos that are going to come out about this. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of anyway, there's actually a a documentary on Netflix that we should watch called yeah. B- Betting on Zero. Have really? You what? Betting on Zero. Have you heard about that? No, I keep talking. Okay, so it's a documentary about like multi-level marketing schemes. <gasps> I'm so addicted to hearing about that, particularly seeing it falling on its ass. Yeah, so it's sort of like, so this one is, is mainly about um, Herbalife. But... I know Herbalife really well. My parents were into it for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a teenager. I, I reckon we should watch Betting on Zero. So we can discuss it. Oh, that's it's on the list. Like literally, I've just gone and logged into Netflix and added it to my list. Betting on zero. Yep, we'll do that. Because um, the, the crazy, I, I saw this pop up. Was that, I think it was John Oliver talked about. Yeah, because he has a, an amazing episode on multi-level marketing, and talked about how companies like Herbalife, but particularly called out Herbalife for the way that they have misrepresented, you know, sales targets, how people get ahead. You've got to buy certain amounts of product and, and just the, the whole thing, the whole thing is ludicrous. Like, and, and that they then were pushing it into Latin America and Mexico and other com- countries and just making money hand over fist by just reaming people. Yep. Oh, man, it's an hour 44 and I want to watch it tonight. <laughs> My mum's, uh, like, was an Amway person when I was a kid. I don't think we ever got into that, but we definitely did Herbalife. But <laughs> mum and dad's intention was to lose weight. I think they weren't really like, you know, if we make some money on this in the game, and they weren't into it for long. The stuff is crap. Well, the the, the funny thing with, with mum was uh, she literally, like, figured out that 
the cost that she would like because she really liked the my cleaning products that, sure. that's what we had through our house the, the whole time i was growing up mm-hmm. um and she figured out that they they're like 50 bucks a year or whatever it cost to be a distributor yeah gave you enough of a discount on the volume of products that she would buy just for herself from someone else oh, that nice. she ended up like a little bit in front you crunch the numbers yeah so but the hilarious thing was though like the amount of like the reams and reams of letters oh. and promo stuff coming to you saying hey you haven't yeah. signed up any like if you really want to get your business off the ground you really need to sign up more people and all this sort of stuff and it was relentless the yeah, only I thing that I've, I've ever seen that was worse was um, my grandmother bought my mum a Reader's Digest subscription oh, yes. at one stage. My, and my s- mother-in-law still gets them. My gr- my oh, mum used to read them forever and ever. My, my, my grandmother was a Reader's Digest subscriber and when we moved her into um, the nursing home yeah. year before last, my aunt went through... Um, all of the paperwork and stuff that she could find in Nana's house. Oh, Dave, yes. Uh, And, of course, because, yeah, the the Reader's Digest magazine, really, (coughs) it's just a foot in the door so that they can then send you... Oh, send us this token back and you're into level two of this competition. Yeah, and not just that. Buy this, all this crap that we're trying to on-sell to you. And, And... and, and, and like, it's not like it, w- it was always bad stuff, but it was mm. usually um, sort of like high-profile books like months after they'd even gone through places oh. like Kmart, yes. <clears throat> but selling it but to... But they're doing it at inflated retail price. Selling it at like, yeah, full retail price. Yeah. So, you know, a, a, a book that you could pick up at Big W for $10... Yeah, they, in the specials bin. They would charge 50 bucks for oh. it. Oh. Have a guess how much my oh. pensioner grandmother spent on Reader's Digest that we know of oh, in the last three years. I'm feeling sad about this already, and I'm going to say $15,000. <laughs> it was about double that. Oh, far out. <laughs> oh, Dave. I know. Like, oh, it's like diabolical. The, not even diabolical. There's like just an outright... Just manipulation and taking advantage of people. Absolutely. It, it, oh, yeah, it, it's practically elder abuse. It's horrible. It is unbelievable. Yeah. So that, 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 that's my family history with multi-level marketing. Yeah. My mum's my, my, my multi-level marketing was one level. So yeah, same with my parents. Uh, and, and Nana just getting hooked into the fucking Reader's Digests. Oh, mate, I've got two quick stories on that. When we built this place... Um, we connected with some gardener guy to come and do our landscaping. Fine. Um, and, uh, you know, he came, he, he did a fine job. He, he sort of, we had a basic plan. He worked with us. He delivered what we wanted and gave us a pretty good price on it. And all through the process, he's sort of talking about, like, interested in hearing about the stuff we do and, and, and who we are and those sorts of things. And initially, I was just like, oh, I was just taking an interest. And then I kind of felt, this is actually getting in a bit kind of creepy kind of levels. Like, you want to know too much about us. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, the, the, the job's done. We've paid the bill. Everything's great. And we just get this email from him that says, hey, 
look, it was really great to get you know to know you guys during this. Do you mind if I come around and tell you about an opportunity? And at this point, I went, oh my god, oh, yeah, oh my god, and 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 I, I even think that it was, phrase, I've heard that, oh, I've heard that phrase. Tell you about an opportunity, and and I can't remember if it was me or Michelle that kind of went, oh. Let's just hear him out. Like, not even we're not that interested, but we just kind of felt he was a nice person, so let's give him a go. Not and and we both said before he turned up, we are not buying into whatever it is he's selling. We're not buying in. Like we just verbally said to each other, it is not happening. And, and, he, and what pray tell? I can't even remember what it was, but he had like you know the everything was in a nice display folder, and he walked us through the presentation and talked it up, and it was based. It was. It was a multi-level marketing scheme, as best I can tell, where you sold nothing. You just signed other people up to it. <laughs> the more people that you signed up, everyone else benefited, including <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you. That's how it works. But that I was mean, the thing. But it, I, I think they even couched it in kind of a weird, not quite, it's not a pyramid, it's a trapezoid. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but like it was, it, it was like, you're not paying anything, it's a donation. Oh, God. And, 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 and look, we, we, we heard him out. We were very polite. Uh, and we were like, "Well, thanks, man. Thank you for thinking of us, but we're not in a position to, to, to get him." Oh, but look, you know, this will really help turn things around. My wife and I have poured all our money into this, and it's really helping us. And you'll really benefit from me too. And you won't be able to say that in the future. You, you know, things will have gotten better because you've invested and done this. And we just went, "Look, look thanks, man. No." And he was, "Oh, okay. Well, can can I stay in touch?" And we kind of didn't have the heart to say no. But he hit us up four or five or six times. Just wanted to know if you've thought any more about that. But I was like, man, I, I just can't do that. No. That's not on. That's a horrible thing. Um, the other one was one that we had just in the last week, Dave. Um, Luke comes home from school to a letter that says, congratulations, your short story has been selected uh, and it's going to be published. You'll be a published author. Oh, hello. And I've gone, what is this? Uh, and it turns out a, th- a company called it's the, the Australian Publishing Company or the Australian Publishing House or whatever they call themselves um, market themselves as a company called Write for Number Four Fun dot com uh, dot au and they send out their glossy brochures to English teachers and schools around the country advertising this quarter's short story and poetry competition. Oh, of course they do, and. Uh, you know, kids up to grade 12 are welcome to enter. You know, if you win, if you get first place, you get this stuff and this stuff and this stuff. And uh, there's a thousand bucks for the winner, 50, 500 bucks to their school, 500 bucks to you. Uh, second prize gets slightly less, third prize gets slightly less, but you all get a free copy of the book. Uh, for everyone else, you're going to be a published author. And if you want to buy a copy, it's $62, $68 plus postage and handling, which makes it about 80 bucks. And I looked at that and just went, that's a bit not great. And then I'm reading a bit further. And if you want to have a dedication on your story or to, before your story, it'll only cost you $27. God. Like fully get fucked. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I've, I've got a grumpy Kickstarter story about stuff like that at the moment. Oh, well, let me just finish. So I oh, did no, some research. More? Yeah, yeah. 
Vanity Publishing, not against the law, but certainly frowned upon and discouraged for schools to take part, Mm -hmm. says the Queensland Department of Fair Trading website. So I send an email to the teacher and we send Luke back to school on Monday and say, look, just ask other kids in your English class, because that's where they heard about it. The teacher gave out the flyer. Yep. Um, Luke had a story that he'd written and he just pulled 500 words off the start of a chapter and massaged the end and submitted that. Uh, Turns out that everyone in his class that sent in a thing all got selected funny that oh and that's just where we're, this is bullshit sent off a letter to the the um english teacher copied in like the the head of studies or dean or whatever she calls herself and uh got an email back oh look thanks for letting us know i'm glad that luke found out at school I said what well, he didn't find out at school she misunderstood that i said that we found out about this from school like he heard about it from school yeah um the, the vanity publishing stuff I found out about over the weekend because I did some tacit research um, and just found out that it is a, basically a dead set scam and that I was letting her know so that it doesn't continue and that other people aren't roped in by it. And she just seemed to go, oh, I'll let others know. Like, that was it. It wasn't like, you know, thanks for letting me know this is really well, important. Oops, I'll, sorry. I'll get a notice in the notice sheet and all those sorts of things. Yeah, or even sorry for not checking it out further. Uh, and that because that's all they prey on. They just prey on the fact that it looks like it's an educational experience for your kids. They get to have a thing published. The book is doesn't go into libraries. It's no. not like it's mass produced. It's only produced for the number of people that send in the money. And if you read the fine detail, the competition may not publish a book if they feel they don't get enough entries. <laughs> yeah, entries in inverted commas. Oh, it was just wrong. Like I just read it all and went, "This is." This is craziness. And, of course, the thing they hang their hat on is it's technically not against the law. (laughs) Technically. But we can just take advantage of proud parents and grandparents because little Johnny got his story selected and it's going to be published. Uh, People are ratbags. People are the worst. The worst, man. And particularly that. When you target schools and school kids, that is outrageous. Yep. I hear you. How do you sleep straight in bed? Bloody hell. Tell us about your Kickstarter. Oh, so it's for something that's very, very cool. Hmm. Um, but and I was getting, I got a PDF version and I was getting a hardcover copy of the book. Right? It's called Simplified Control Access Mechanism. <laughs> what? Or scam for short. Oh, well. No, it's legit, but they, they've just clearly, just clearly not... Um, given much thought to how much you know, things like international shipping and that sort of stuff mm. is it really going to cost. Sure. So this bloody book that I paid like you know, 30 or $40 US for, yeah. now they want like another $60 US to ship it. And I'm just like... Get stuffed. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I'm no. just going to make do with the PDF download that I've already received. Yes, thank you. Uh, that is enough for me. Yeah. And of course that means that none of the other little trinkets that were supposed to come along with the book will we'll be making themselves to me either oh, so of course i'm kind of feeling like i and, and like i have done some kickstarter books in the past um and the shipping hasn't been astronomical mm. but yeah i'm just not going to do it again i'm grumpy i hear that and it's mm. ba- it's a bad feeling and i but the catch is i also understand you know these people trying to get their thing up and they're 
predominantly targeting the US. Yeah. What they need to do is do some a little bit of additional research and work out what the international price of being involved is going to be exactly. and be upfront about it. Yep. So that if it is like, yeah, the book is this, and if you're in America, you know, your $50 Kickstarter buy-in gets you this, this, and this. And if you're outside America, it's a 65 you know, donation that gets sure, you this, but this, the, and that. The crazy thing, though, is that, like, it, it's just a book. Sure. A- and I know not, obviously, someone who's doing a Kickstarter doesn't have the purchasing power of... You know, sure. an Amazon or someone like that. But work that out up front. Like, that's not yeah, a hard but, thing. But I also know that I've bought books from people in the US off eBay and it only costs, you know, eight or ten bucks, yep. not 60. So it's just like, ugh. Yeah. Everything sucks. Except Everything holidays. Everything sucks. Except holidays. Holidays are good. Mm. Except for when you get gastro. Mm. But even oh. then, holidays are good. I hate gastro. I haven't vomited in so long, and I'm trying to keep that record. Ah, well, then I'll tell you what. Then you you probably won't want to come back to to Cambodia with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'll just be that guy that pops those tablets before I eat everything. <laughs> I'll be that guy. Uh, uh, yeah. Before we close this out, Dave, I have an update for you and anyone that would care to listen. Yes. Um. My dad's aunt Edna has. Sadly or gratefully, however you appear, it finally passed. Right. Um, so this was the the lady mm. that her and her brother were on the farm, the farm. that when mum and dad swung by for the first time, they were living in pretty reasonable, not great conditions and pretty elderly. So they hung around to help them, which they have, no question. Uh, however, of course, as things have got on and, and Edna's been... Um, in care for a, a growing length of time, and mum and dad have spent more and more time living at the farm. The question of what happens when Edna dies, and what if she doesn't give it to them? What happens then? Um, well, all of that has now come to pass, Dave. Right. And uh, it turns out that Edna did leave the farm to dad. And right. that's great news. That's great news. Mom. That's great news for, for dad. Yeah. Um, what? How has that news received been? Like, has that news been received by people who aren't your dad? That, that's a great question, Dave. Because I haven't heard or gotten a straight answer yet. Um, what I did also learn is that Edna had left uh, a, an amount of money for each of the each of Dad's sisters, um, who were seemingly the only ones that really paid her any attention, uh, as they were wont to do. And I'm not going to second guess their motivations. Just that they always, you know, looked in on her and uh, would send her letters. And, and you know, if they were in town, they went and saw her and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked Dad, I said, oh, you're going to have to come up with the cash for that. And he went, oh, no, no, no. Uh, the deposit that she paid on the room that she was living in at the retirement home, when we get that money back, um, we'll be able to disperse that money out of that and we'll still get at least half of that back. I went, oh. Um, so I don't know whether that was you know, kind of an attempted payoff on Edna's part or whatever. Uh, but yes, I haven't heard whether there's scuttlebutt or suggestions that there was manipulation in the process or anything like that. Certainly I trust my parents when they say that, you know, when they encouraged Edna to update her will after her brother died, because everything at that point was left to him, um, they uh, asked her who, the, who her solicitor was. They got arranged a meeting for him to come and see her and they left. So I don't doubt that that was the case. I don't think for a second that they were involved in that. 
I couldn't possibly say if they had spoken to her about it or seeded that idea or whatever. Um, I, I like to think that in the best kind of country folk way, Edna saw this as her opportunity to be generous towards them because she had no kids and no living relatives other than uh, my dad and his brothers and sisters who technically weren't even blood relatives to her. They were her um, nephews and nieces by marriage. Mm. So what you're telling me, Steve, is that um, you're moving to... (laughs) The Western New South Wales, Dave, and gets... repairing your relationship with your with your parents. Oh no! <laughs> However, it gets even better than that. All oh, right, yep. When Wilf passed, mm-hmm. um, he had like they were both, um, again, good country folk, but mm-hmm. people that had had, had a, a bit of money in their lives and had always been pretty shrewd with how they dealt with it. Um, and when he died, the bulk of his estate went to Edna. Right. As you'd expect. That yep. was the deal they had with each other because mm-hmm. they had lived with each other for so long. Um, and again, um, Edgar was not, again, not related to the family at all. He was Edna's brother. And right. Edna married my grandfather's brother. There was only two boys in the family mm-hmm. and they didn't have kids. It was only my grandfather that had kids. So, um yeah, that kind of follow through. He was around because he lived with Edna and everyone knew him and they'd lived in the area forever and all that sort of stuff. Um, turns out that uh, Edgar's estate uh, contained some sizable chunks of a share portfolio. <laughs> right. In, um, you know, like sort of some pretty lazy stocks like BHP, Commonwealth Bank, Woolworths, Coles, um, Telstra, yeah, um, that that kind of stuff, and it was that kind of diversified. Wow. Commonwealth Bank. Um, yeah, and it, it's not 500 shares. It's a reasonable little chunk. Hmm. So the biggest issue facing my parents, apart from, you know, playing through and you know letting the estate settle and everything else, their biggest problem now is, how is this going to affect Dad's bitch? <laughs> oh, God. Because, you know, the the farm and and the asset that that is and that there's some income coming in from that because there's been some sharecropping done and those sorts of things may or may not affect it. I couldn't Uh, honestly say. I I have horrible visions of a financial planner absolutely turning your parents into a life of poverty so that your dad can keep his pension. I just, I just can't even think what's like, going to happen here. Oh God! Honestly. Oh God! I, 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 I I'm getting say, cramps, Stephen. I'm getting cramps. Well, he, here's the difficulty, right? I, I, I'm, I trust them enough to know that they will make smart decisions for themselves and won't just swallow the line that, oh, to keep getting our pension, we have to, you know, sign all of our money over to him to look after or whatever. Because he, he, he does know that, like, like. Not having to get a pension is actually better than getting a pension. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're up with that, or at least I'm oh going to double check that they're up with that. I'm getting cramps, Stephen. The um, but the the, the sideline difficulty is, Dave, that it means that my mum and dad have come into some money, mm. and uh, health wise, things aren't great for mum. Mm-hmm. That continues to spin. Even dad hasn't been great, but he had an operation a week or so ago that solves his current ailment and puts him back on a pretty good keel. Um, which is which is great. They're now talking about, oh, we might come north for Christmas. Um, <laughs> you can imagine what my wife had to say about that. 
And I'm sure I'll, you can imagine what my wife is saying about that right now as she listens to this podcast of us talking about it. Hey, ask Michelle what she thinks about them maybe moving in, you know, just down oh, the street. Oh, Dave. Look, I'm going to say to you very generously, fucking you ask her yourself, because you know exactly what's going to be said. And I can hear her in the future responding to you, and it is very unkind. Um... Like, just not, just not generous. In fact, I'm probably going to say she's suggesting that pig's head that you saw, <laughs> that you and it perform some kind of weird sexual function. Because um, yeah. here's the thing, Steve, you know, technically, if they do decide to buy a house in your street, there's nothing you can legally do to stop them. Dave, that is very correct, and don't even bring that up again. Um, I, I, su- I, I would offer that that is very unlikely that that would happen. Oh, good. It's not outside the realms of possibility now, however. Because <laughs> um, it would have to come down to whatever price they got for the farm. Um, I I hope, more than anything, and I've not had this conversation with them, I hope that they don't think that any of us four kids want what, to or expect to inherit the farm. Mm. Like, I know it has a, a legacy. It's been Edna and her husband's for a long time. Oh, Edgar. Sorry, that's where I got confused. Wolf is her brother. Edgar was her husband. Uh, it's been Edgar and Edna's for a long time, and that's why she was reticent to move off it in the first place. There are deep connections for Dad because it's family and those sorts of things. Um, I don't care. And I honestly don't think that my brother would care enough to move down there. Definitely my sister that lives overseas wouldn't care. Uh, and the other sister, well, she basically disowned all of them anyway. Mm. Um, so it, it puts Mum and Dad in a, in a position where at some point they will have to contemplate selling the farm. Um, on top of the bloody thousands of dollars of shares that they now have. Um, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing. And, and I, I said from the get-go, after, because I had a conversation with them after Edna's um, memorial service was held and those sorts of things. I said, so where does this put you guys? And they sort of shared, well, this is the situation for us, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, look, that's really great for you guys. I'm really happy that that has, has worked out for good and I hope that you really enjoy it. Um, and I have said to them a number of times prior to this, I have no expectation that mum and dad leave me anything. Not because I don't like them, just because I don't have that expectation. Mm-hmm. It's not, in my mind, it's not a blood right that mum and dad have to set aside uh, monies for me to do anything with. They looked after me very generously um, when I was in high school, uh, like growing up and in university, and even then in between, you know, after I broke up with my first wife, uh, were very generous in how they helped me out then. Fine. Now I've paid them back for some of the stuff they've done. I haven't for others because they said I didn't have to. Um, I don't need or want any more money out of my parents. If they were to gift it to me, sadly, my first thought would be, what's the hook? What's the catch? Are you trying to buy your way into our good graces? Are you trying to buy access to the kids? What's the deal with this? Now that's a horrible position for me to be in and I don't want to think that. Um... However, I have to have that sort of sitting in the background because sadly, particularly my mum, that's how she functions. Mm. She would want to be generous. They would both want to be generous with us. However, it wouldn't even be at the time. It would be later. It would be, we want to come and see, well, can we do it? And it might be like, well, no, none of that has changed. Oh, but we gave you all that money. You're so ungrateful, blah, blah, blah. No, have it all back. I don't, I don't want it. I don't, I don't need that pain. 
So I don't know what they're going to do with all of it. And and when they're having this conversation and I was expressing, look, that's really great for you guys. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you can work it out. You know, I hope you can sort out the whole, you know, what do you do for income and those sorts of things. Um, and they said, what are you doing for Christmas? Uh, like Christmas holidays. Uh, and I said, oh, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> well, no, I just said, look, they meant, are you going away? And I went, oh, look, not, not this Christmas. We're not, you know, we're... I work for the church. I don't earn a heap of cash. Um, we're not in a position to go away. Plus, I've got a little thing in the middle of January, which means we kind of can't go anywhere for any super long time. So we're, we're kind of not... We're not doing anything. And then I dropped these words, Dave, and I regretted it. I regretted it immediately. We just can't afford it. At that moment, I could see through time. <laughs> I I... I could hear the words coming out of my mouth and I went, and I had to explain straight away, I'm not asking for money. Please don't think that. I just mean we are not in a position to pay for it. I'm not expecting you to get involved. Like I had to kind of back out of it because it felt like I was then going, oh, well, you've got cash. We can't afford it going on a holiday. Oh, Mm. poor us. That was not it. That was not my motivation for saying it. I just meant the practicalities of our life we can't afford to go away. And so when I said it, it was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come now, Lord Jesus, and solve this problem. <laughs> um, I think I got out of it okay. I think they understood that, because I was only talking to Dad at that point. Yep. But yep. I think he understood that I wasn't trying to hit him up for cash and mm. that I just meant the practicalities are we can't. However, Dave, massive asterisk. Given that all of this estate stuff will be settled probably buy around before Christmas time. <laughs> what is the absolute bet that my parents decide as a, in their very generous way to be generous towards the kids this Christmas? Mm-hmm. Which again leads me to this, what's the hook? Where's the catch? Mm-hmm. How is this going to pay off? What's the problem here? Um, now, I'm not expecting anything, but it won't surprise me if something happens. Uh, and it may be 500 bucks. And look, thanks very much, guys. You don't have to do this. Like, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Or it could be a little bit more, or it could be a lot more. I don't know what they might do. And it also might be nothing. And I've got to tell you, at this point, even though the money would be nice, nothing would be the best outcome. Because <laughs> it's the safest oh, outcome, boy. Dave. Um, yeah, I just honestly don't know where that's going to land or what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean to be indelicate or disingenuous about my parents. I still love them, but we've talked at length about how difficult they can be. And that's the nature of why I'm sharing this, Dave, because that was always a hook hanging over the top of everything. And now it's not hanging over the top of everything. In fact, the gears have changed pretty quickly on that. We're at third. Given given that you know, you, your mum is experiencing some health issues... Mm. Do you think that might be enough of an incentive for them to get off the farm sooner oh, rather God, than please, later? Please, my absolute prayer would be that they decide to sell the farm and cash all that in. They and, might keep and the move shares. down the street from you. No, um, <laughs> if anything, they can buy a house down the road from my brother and probably have a really great back end of their life. Yep, like quite seriously. Um, they may decide to upgrade the caravan or do something like if they persist in travelling, though that would be not the best move for my mum um, with her current health situations. Sadly, moving to near a capital city or a big regional centre 
would be the best idea for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brother doesn't live in a big regional centre or in a capital city. We do. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that they're going to come... In fact, I wouldn't even think they'd move to Brisbane. They'd probably move outskirts of somewhere to do whatever. But the problem would be if they moved from being, you know, 13 hours drive away to being less than an hour's drive away. Oh, my God. Oh, they just I moved to Dubbo. do not even want to conceive of it. They just moved to Dubbo, wouldn't they? I mean, they, they, they wouldn't want to move somewhere with the humidity up near you. That, that would be the hope, right? But the problem is it's, it's dry heat out Dubbo, so it gets hot. Um, it gets hot as well. And, the, you know, they spent time on the coast. They loved it on the coast. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, the Sunshine Coast wouldn't be a bad solution, except that it's close. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because there's a big new university hospital there and they could get all sorts of great treatment for mum in that situation and like be close by to a hospital. Bundaberg Hospital's not great. That's where my brother lives. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know how that plays out for them. I would absolutely recommend and encourage them to say, guys, sell the farm, get off the farm. Um, yeah, I just don't know what that looks like. Mm. I, and I don't know if they'll hold on to it and try and sort of see how mum gets well or whatever happens to her. Because at this point, I would definitely say dad is going to outlive her. Um, but who knows, right? That could change in, in a nanosecond. Um, and and look, I love my parents desperately again. I think that if it was dad that lived longer than mum, he would be easier to deal with than the reverse. In mm-hmm. fact, it would be really hard if dad died and mum didn't. It would be nearly one of those situations where the other partner doesn't take long just because of love and life and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing my luck, she'll outlive him by 10 years. <sighs> and I'll have to come and move her off the farm. And someone's going to have to get power of attorney. Oh, well, my brother's already been named as uh, the one who has to be executor of the will. Yeah, that, that, that Good luck to him. That's not enough. No, I know it's not enough. <laughs> Um, the problem would be that he's the golden child and he would get power of attorney and he would absolutely take advantage of it. He's, <laughs> oh, he's, but he's just that... He, he He's... Even though he is broader across the shoulders than me mm-hmm. and at least as tall, he's a thick tree trunk of a nugget. Mm-hmm. Um, he has small man syndrome. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I have ruined his life and continue to ruin his life by just seemingly Existing. being close to... A, anything regarded as successful. Oh dear. And it's like, dude, that's not, oh, I, I can't have a conversation with him about anything because it becomes this competition and I don't care. I don't care. I'm interested in knowing about you. He just doesn't, it, I, th- this is a sad indictment on that relationship, Dave. I haven't spoken to him since this time last year when he was at my dad's 70th birthday. Right. And even then, it was, he was rude and abrupt and matter of fact, and I know everything, and small man syndrome. Mm. Um, I've, I've given up trying to call him for his birthday because he doesn't want to talk to me. He should get a blog. A t- oh, God, no. God, no. At least this way, if I do it like this, I know that they'll never hear it. Mm-hmm. No, good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so. 
yeah, we we didn't need to get into all of that. But it, it, I mean, sad news around Edna. Great news as it turns out for my parents, and I don't believe that anybody is challenging the will. It would only be Dad's siblings that would, and they haven't made any noises that anybody is. Um, and I don't know what the statute of limitations even is on challenging a will and those sorts of things. Oh, you get a fair while. You'd be oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you do, but the catch is that they still have to process and settle it. If yeah. nobody challenges it, like they can do it in, in a, a post scenario, but it's not like they go, well, 12 months before we can hit sign all this stuff over to you. Yeah. Um, um, all of that'll happen pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I just... I shudder to think that there will be that disquiet if there is. I hope there isn't. Um, just as much as I shudder to think that our allegiance might be bought or whatever. And and I, and I even don't care, Dave. I even don't care if we get nothing and my brother gets 20000 bucks or whatever. Like, fine. If that's what you think is how it works, go for it. Knock yourself out. I, I, am, I am that not connected to expecting you to give us any money, that if that's how you want to spend it, spend it. God bless you. Um, yeah. It, it, I just don't know. Like, I... Yeah, anyway. I see a shiny mountain bike <gasps> in Luke's future. Hey? I said I see a shiny mountain bike in Luke's future. Oh, I just... I can't even <laughs> contemplate it. You're very right, but I can't even contemplate it. Because that's the other thing, too. That they might not even... Um, be stealthy enough to give us cash yeah that it just might be I don't, I don't know if they know how to work out eBay or anything but um, yeah it's but stuff they, just they can appears. order one in the Reader's Digest catalogue like my grandmother oh, used to well, yeah probably um, like I, I'm really happy for my parents that at this stage in their life with all of the challenges that they face they're actually in a position where they can enjoy some enjoy some of life and not have to, you know, stress about working the farm to earn money. Um, however, they've now got more money than I think they've ever had in their lives. It's an interesting problem to have. Oh, maybe they should pay for their friends to not work. Oh, they're already retired. <laughs> oh, well, at least it would cost less to have your friends not work. <laughs> And, and you know what? I don't think it actually will change any of them. They'll just get richer tastes. Mm. Or paranoid oh. about losing their money. Oh, I hope not. I just hope none of that stuff befalls them because they're not gullible. But, wow. Oh, Dave. Oh, Steve. I'm glad I, I, you had a great time in Cambodia. Thank you, mate. I have a feeling this isn't the last we're going to hear of this story. No, I can guarantee you it's probably not. Well, well I will, I'll, be, I'll be waiting with kindness and, and sympathy for the next chapter. I definitely hope there is no Christmas update on this. God. <laughs> Either in a cash kind of gifty process or in a mum and dad are coming to Christmas. I tell you, they're not... I have already had to have that conversation with Michelle that they might suggest that's a thing and the look of death that I got from her then that I know I am getting now. Oh, man. You know what they could do? You know what they could do? You want to come to Christmas, Mum and Dad? Let's all have a nice Christmas buffet at a hotel in the city where 
I want to encourage you guys to get a room and stay there for a few nights. Sure, it'll be expensive, but it's something that I know you've never been able to do. And if you want to be generous, you can pay for our Christmas lunch because there is no way we can afford to pay for it if you want to do that. Hmm. Oh, boy. Listen, I just want to go on the record now saying that if they do buy a house in your street... Oh, Dave, don't. Stop, stop uh, with it, that. I had nothing to do with it, all right? Rubbish. At this point, it's not hard to find my parents in Gilgandra <laughs> and suggest that they should, so don't. You know that I wouldn't. <laughs> I know that you wouldn't, but there are people that listen to this that might. <laughs> Anyone who gets in touch with Malk's parents, you're... Banned oh. from listening to the podcast. From okay, on. banned. That's right. We'll hunt you down and ban you. We'll ban your IP address from the server. You cannot I mean, you listen can, to the show ever you again. You can love them. You can pray for them. You can care for but them. But you all cannot that speak to them. No. Cannot speak to Mog's parents. And I know that there are people who, limits. who work in a chaplaincy kind of vibe that might actually trip across them in a hospital <laughs> in their local stint. <laughs> and I'm going to say to you, just don't go visit them. Don't. Just nope. pray for them. Nope. <laughs> Just send send your friend. Send the other your minister or the other chaplain yep. or the other. Yep. Let them go and talk to them that don't know this stuff. Exactly. You are officially compromised. Yep. You have a conflict of interest. Absolutely you, you do. You absolutely need to step aside. And it is not your job to try and resolve this conflict. No, not at all. Because there's no conflict here. Nope. Move along. Let it go. Nothing to see here. You get banned from the podcast. Banned from the podcast. And then, and then we will block you on Twitter and that, on Instagram. That will remove one tenth of our listeners, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so just no speaking to Malk's. And Michelle, that even counts to you. No speaking to. Oh, oh no, hang on. She already wants to be in that position, and I'm trying to encourage her not to be in that position. Michelle, you have my permission to not speak to Mox parents. Dave, no. <laughs> You're not helping. I'm sorry, Mox. I got carried away. Gosh. Are you going to let Michelle come and have Christmas lunch with you? <laughs> Michelle's always welcome to have Christmas lunch with us. Oh, I did that the wrong way around. <laughs> Actually, Dave, you might be our excuse officially. Okay. If they tell us that they're coming up here for Christmas, oh, we're going to Albury for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, but then you won't have to explain why you can't drop in on the way past. Oh, we're going the city way. Going it's easier go, that way. Going down the coast. It's quicker. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Michelle. You should you you and you and Steve should, you know, work together as a team. You shouldn't listen to me at all. They're really stressed about this day. <laughs> <laughs> no one who listens is gonna get in contact with your parents. Well, my wife might. <laughs> Not in a good way. <laughs> oh, breathe, Stephen. Breathe. Breathe. Oh. You're in a white room. Oh, Dave. <laughs> Concentrate. I love you, Steve Mock. Oh, for some reason I love you too, Dave. <laughs> you take care now. Thank you. No, no, thank you. <laughs> God. Why do I feel worse? <laughs> Bye.